And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Now, we're in a series of messages called The Evils of Rock and Roll. No, no. We're, we're in a series of messages that's called Focusing, Focusing on the Important, Focusing on the Important. And I want to talk to you today about the things the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus did. You know, Brother Rodney Howard Brown, he points out that in the 1990s, there was a very popular phrase in the Christian world, and it was, what would Jesus do? And, and it was known by this acronym, WWJD. It was popular in the 90s, the first part of the, the 2000s, and people put WWJD on coffee mugs and t-shirts and it was a great reminder and you know in every point of life we need to ask ourselves how would Jesus handle this what would he do and this morning I don't want to ask the question what would Jesus do I instead want us to 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 focus on WDJD what did Jesus do what did he do John chapter 21 verse 25 says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. There are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Well, what did Jesus do? Look at me. What did Jesus do? Did a bunch of things. He did a bunch of things and they all had to do with God's relationship with people because God loves people. You know, when you look at religion and then you look at Jesus, you get two very different pictures because when you look at religion, you, you, you'll find rigidity and you'll find a, a authoritativeness and you'll find judgmentalness. And yet when you look at Jesus, you'll find love and you'll find acceptance and you'll find forgiveness as you repent of your sins. When you look at Jesus, you'll find love and you'll find kindness. You know, I just love Jesus. I love Jesus. Did you know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Did you? I mean, really, I want you to think about this for a minute. God Almighty, Lane and Sharon, it's great to see you here this morning. Yeah. See, Margaret and Raymond Faircloth are here too. Wow, good to have you guys. Let me tell you something. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus. You say, Pastor, that's a, how can you say that? Jesus actually was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in John 17. Let's look at this verse. It's, it's, it's John chapter 17, verse 23. Jesus prayed this. He says, I want the world that they would know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You say, well, God couldn't love me. I mean, look at all the things I've done. Look at the mess I've made in my life. He's not talking about believers here. He's talking about people in the world, people that are godless, people that don't know him. He says that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as much as you love me. And this morning, I want us to focus on four things that Jesus did. Four things Jesus did. Number one, because of Jesus' compassion for people, because of God's compassion for people, 
Jesus paid the price for our sin, and he destroyed the works of the devil. He, number one, paid the price for our sins, and he did it by destroying the works of the devil. You say, well, how does that work? Well, there's a, a large word that's not in most of our vocabulary, but you find it in the Bible in 1 John chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 4, and that word is propitiation. Propitiation. And what it means is that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, in God's courts of law, and according to God's system of justice, it was, it, it was, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins on a permanent basis. They could cover our sins. And that's the reason the Jewish people were always having to bring bulls and goats and turtle doves and making these animal sacrifices to God. But only God's blood could atone and could satisfy God's righteousness and God's judgment. And so God said, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send myself. I'm going to send, I'm going to send Christ the son and he's going to become sin in the flesh. He's going to become the propitiation, the sacrifice that satisfies the righteous wrath of God that has been stored up against sin since time immemorial. Did you know that Jesus on the cross, he did not just die from the nails being driven into his hands and feet. He didn't just die from the sword piercing his side or the crown of nails or crown of thorns in his forehead Jesus died because our Bible tells us that Jesus literally became sin in the flesh. While Jesus was hanging there, do you remember there was a time that Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What had happened at that point? Most theologians believe that at that point in time, that God the Father could not bear to see Christ the Son becoming sin in the flesh. And so he turned his face. And you remember, the Bible says as Jesus hung on the cross, the sun refused to shine. Everything got dark as the righteous wrath of God against sin. See, I deserve eternity separated from God. I deserve death and hell because of my sins. I am a trophy of grace. My sins were placed on Jesus. Your sins were placed on Jesus. Every act of murder was placed on Jesus. Every rape, every act of incest. Come on. Every every robbery, everything that had ever been stolen, every lie, every act of deceit, every act of rebellion against God was placed upon Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says literally that... God made him who knew no sin, because Jesus was without sin, he was perfect. But God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And see, not only is Jesus our redeemer from sin, he did that by destroying the works of the devil. You see, the devil has a job description, and it's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's the devil's job description, to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says, I have come that you can have life, and you can have life more abundantly. Amen? 
Well, let's look at 1 John 3, verse 8 together. And I want you to read this aloud and loudly with me. Out loud, use your best voice. Let's ring the rafters in this place. Come on, shout it out. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Say it again. Come on with me. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. It doesn't say that he might destroy the devil. It says that he might destroy the works of the devil. See, one day, Satan and his demons are going to be thrown into a lake of fire. They're going to be absolutely annihilated. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil is to get you and me trafficking in sin because when we engage in willful, wanton, rebellious sin, it gives the devil a legal right to traffic in our life. And I, I don't have time to, 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 to amplify and to, to preach more on that, but, but it's absolutely the truth. And, and in my opinion, I think that Jesus hates the devil, and I think the devil and his crowd hate the Lord Jesus Christ. I think the devil and his crowd hate the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth because there's authority in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, I get invited on a regular basis to pray at, at, at community events, at civic events, at governmental events. And often, when I will show up to pray, some years ago, it wasn't that long ago, I'm not going to tell you when it was because I don't want you to know who this mayor was, but the mayor's office called me, wanted me to pray for a particular event, citywide event. And uh, when I arrived at the Civic Center, they took me aside, and I've had this happen dozens of times. They took me aside. They said, Pastor Todd, we want you to be reminded that this is a diverse group of people, and there are many cultures represented here today. And there are some Christians, but there are some Jewish people, and there are there are some Islamic people, and there are people of various diverse backgrounds, and, and we find that the name of Jesus offends some people. So we would ask that you pray, but don't use the name of Jesus. I said, you're looking at a man who deserves death and hell. You're looking at a man that deserves eternity separated from God. And the only reason I'm a pastor, I'm not a pastor to be a do-gooder. I don't have a do-gooder itch inside me. I'm a pastor because Jesus saved me and Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit and Jesus cleaned me up and Jesus changed me from the inside out. I, I, I'm a pastor because, because there's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved but the name of Jesus. And I always, I'm not out to offend people, but I always pray in that name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus said, in my name. He didn't say in my, in, 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 I'm not going to get into that. I'll just, he said, in my name, you'll cast out devils. He didn't say in Buddha's name you're going to cast out devils. I'll say it. He didn't say in Hare Krishna's name you're going to cast out devils. He said in my name you'll cast out devils. You'll speak with new tongues. 
You'll take up serpents. If you drink anything deadly, it will not harm you. You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What can calm your fears? The name of Jesus. What will give you direction in life when you're all confused and discombobulated? It's the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Somebody say hallelujah. And 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, Jesus was nailed to the cross and he paid the price for your sin. He paid the price for your sickness. He paid the price for your disease. He paid the price for your mental turmoil. He paid the price for your fear. He paid the price for depression. He paid the price for poverty. He paid the price for lack. In St. Augustine, when I first started out pastoring, we had a lady in the congregation, and when she really liked something that the preacher she said, she'd say, that's right, brother. (laughs) So I'll just say it myself. That's right, brother. (laughs) Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. The curse of the law. Go back and read it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's threefold. It's poverty. It's sickness. And it's death. When Adam and Eve fell from grace in the Garden of Eden, they they exiled themselves and every one of us from the presence of God. There's this thing called Adamic sin nature. And we're born with it. That's the reason we all need a Redeemer. We all need a Savior. Now think about this with me for a minute. Here's Adam and Eve. They're enjoying the presence of God. They're enjoying the anointing and the glory of God. They don't have a want and a need in the world. They're enjoying the the the, the, the love of God and the peace of God and th- they're enjoying the plan of God and they're just, they're just, they're, they're in heaven really. And because of their disobedience, suddenly they're cut off from the presence of God, cut off from the anointing, cut off from the glory. I'm so glad that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life folks that's good news jesus christ came into this world to buy us back so that we could enjoy the presence of god and you know when jesus comes into your life he'll change you he'll set you free he'll break the yoke of sin he'll break bondage in you he'll he will he will do as much in your life as you will allow him to do there's a verse of scripture that I absolutely love. It's Romans 6, 14. I want you to read this aloud and loudly with me. Romans 6, 14. Come on, here we go together. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under law, but you are under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Did you know that you can be a Christian and still be under the dominion of sin? Sure you can. I remember when I was struggling with anger. I mean, you know, here I was a pastor. And one moment, I mean, everything's great. And the next minute, I'm just exploding in anger. And I'm trying to figure out what in the world has gone on. And I remember looking at this scripture 
And I began putting it in the first person. Let's look at the, the next slide. I began quoting this. I started saying, sin does not have dominion over me. I'm not under the law, but under the grace of Jesus Christ. I just said, sin, you do not have dominion over me. Here I've got this tremendous, I mean, I mean, I'd be peaceful. Everything would be wonderful. And the next minute, I couldn't figure out where this, where this explosion of anger was coming from. And, and, and you know, I'll tell you, I started getting help. When I started making this confession, sin does not have dominion over me. And what had happened is that over the years, I'd had, you know, unfortunately, people do things to us, don't they? And they hurt us sometimes. People say things and people will do ugly things. And it hurts us down inside. And I was always really quick to say, I forgive you, I forgive you. But I wasn't forgiving from my heart. And really, dear ones, I wasn't forgiving. And there was bitterness in my heart. And that bitterness just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger inside me. You know, it's kind of like, how many of you have a, a favorite drawer at home or a fra- favorite uh, closet that you just put things in and you don't know what else to do with? Well, what you can only put so much stuff in there, right? If you keep putting stuff in there, after a while, when you open the door... It's all going to come out at you. And that's what would happen to me. Over the years, I'd stuffed all this stuff down inside me. And when I realized what was going on, I had to say, Oh, Jesus, forgive me for harboring unforgiveness. Because while I've spoken words, yeah, I forgive them. Yeah, I forgive them. After all, Jesus said, you got to forgive. So I said, yeah, I forgive. But you know what? I wasn't forgiven from my heart because I didn't want to feel the pain. I didn't want to feel the pain of what others had done to me. And I had to go back, and it took me several months just to pray. I would sit on the on the back porch of our home, and, and, and any, time, any night I didn't have a church responsibility, and I would just cry out to God and say, Jesus, Lord, please forgive me for not fully forgiving so-and-so. I forgive them, and I tear up the IOUs. I tear off the, nets, the notes of indebtedness. They owe me nothing. Lord, I ask you to totally set me free hallelujah folks i'm telling you i don't know i don't know what you're challenged with today i don't know if you're challenged with alcohol i don't know if you're challenged with 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 immorality i don't know if you're challenged with with uh with virtual reality or or with uh video games or or computer games or or just surfing the internet going to sites you shouldn't go to but i'm telling you you don't have to live under the bondage of that stuff because sin will not have dominion over you unless you want it to hallelujah don't shout me down because i'm preaching so good i might i might i might just have to say that like that little old lady that's good preaching brother kidding you hallelujah hallelujah I'm, i'm a big believer that if you're a child of God, if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, if you're serving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you need to let the past be the past. You don't need to talk too much about what your life was like before you came to Christ. All of us have done things that we're ashamed of. All of us have done things that we don't want anybody to know about. And you know, there are some people, they'll see you and maybe they haven't seen you in a long time. Maybe they knew you before you came to Christ. They say, hey man, how you doing? You still getting drunk every Friday night? You still chasing those women? You still holding up those banks? Come on. You, 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 you still doing drugs? Are you selling any drugs now? And you know, we just need to look at them with a puzzled look and say, 
I'm not that person anymore. That person that used to do that stuff is dead. Yeah, yeah, I I used to do that stuff. But there's a higher power that's coming to my life, and his name is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has been working in me. Let me show you a scripture that I long puzzled over. It's found in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Look, look at what Paul says here. He's writing to the Corinthians. He says, open your hearts to us. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We've cheated no one. So Paul makes three statements. He says, or four statements. Open your hearts to us. In other words, receive us. I've wronged no one. I've corrupted no one. I've cheated no one. Well, think about Paul for a minute. He used to be Saul of Tarsus. This guy used to be a terrorist. This guy was killing Christians. This guy was, was taking Christian women and men and throwing them into prison, making the children orphans. And he says, receive us. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We've cheated no one. What was he talking about there? I believe that Paul knew that something happened on the road to Damascus. A bright light shone and knocked him off his donkey. He fell on the face. Jesus appeared to him. He goes into Damascus. Ananias ministers to him. Saul of Tarsus gets saved. He gives his heart to Christ, repents of his sins, gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And he knows, say he wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, Paul knew that he was a new creature in Christ. And if somebody had come to him and said, Paul, we know about you, man. You're a bad dude. We know what Saul of Tarsus used to do. And he'd say, yeah, he used to do that stuff. But that man is dead. And he wrote to the Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I am crucified. He says, I am crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You know, what else did Jesus do? Number two, let's look at this second point. Not only did Jesus pay the price for our sin on the cross, but he also paid the price for our sickness and for our disease. Folks, I, I know there, there are some preachers and there are some people that will tell you that sickness and disease is from God. And God wants us to go through these things because he wants to teach us some things. Everybody look at me. I want you to hear me. Open both ears. I've gone through sickness before. I've gone through disease and, and I, 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 I spent that time to press into God. I couldn't do anything else. I read the Bible more and I, I prayed more. And I came out of that closer to God. If you can't go through a difficult time and come out closer to God, then something's wrong with you. But does that mean that that was God's will for me? Let, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of a, anybody getting sick with a heavenly flu? I've heard of the Hong Kong flu. I've heard of the Asian flu. I've heard of the swine flu. But I've never heard of a heavenly flu because sickness and disease are part of the curse 
of the law. Folks, sickness and disease didn't exist in the Garden of Eden until Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sin, then bad things begin to happen sometimes to good people. Let me ask you, what kind of God would our Lord be if he sat in heaven and said, you know, Stanley, you need to learn a lesson. Here, have some cancer. You know, Brother Thomas, you need to learn a lesson. Here, have some HIV. What kind of God in heaven would say, here, Zach, you need to learn a lesson. Have some tuberculosis. You know, it's making a comeback in America today. Here, have some. Folks, God, how many of you parents would try to teach your children a lesson? Zach, you've been a really bad boy. Here, have some cancer. Lacey, you've been really, really bad. Would you, here, take this HIV. Would a parent, come on now, think this thing through. Would you as a parent punish your children with cancer? Would you punish them with, with some terrible disease? No, the reality is that if we punished our children with cancer or a terrible disease, we would be locked up for child abuse. There is an abuser, but his name is not Jesus. There is an abuser, but his name is not God. There is an abuser, but he's not the Holy Spirit. His name is Satan, and he came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness. Now look at this, by whose stripes you were healed. 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore the stripes on his back so that you can have divine health. It doesn't matter what sickness or disease is coming against you. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is greater than cancer. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is greater than, 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 than cardiovascular disease. It's greater than heart attacks. It's greater, you know, Pastor Dan Cooksey from Ivan Assembly of God had a stroke over the weekend. And, 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 and I was texting with Dan last night. Thank God he's doing pretty good. And I was texting with him and I said, I just reminded him of this scripture, 1 Peter 2.24. I said, Dan, by his stripes you were healed. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. The devil wants to lie to you and tell you that sickness and disease is greater than the power and the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But he's a liar. Because see, on the cross, Jesus not only died from being nailed to the cross and the sword piercing his side, he not only died from the brutality of being whipped, he not only died because he became sin in the flesh, he also became your sicknesses. He became every sickness known to man. Do you recall The centurion and Pilate, they marveled that Jesus died so soon. Well, it wasn't just the cross because men would would typically linger and, and they would live for three or four days up on that cross until they finally expired. But Jesus died in just a couple of hours. It's because the sins of the world were placed upon him and it's because the sicknesses of this world were placed upon him. But by his stripes, we're healed at the mention of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I just believe sickness and disease has to bow at the mention of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is hope. 
as Jesus hung on the cross. Do you remember his last words? He said, it is finished. Say it with me. It is finished. He didn't say it's to be continued. He said, it is finished. Folks, you look at people in the world today. People, I'll tell you, especially since the last election, people are scared. People are fearful. People are are frustrated. I tell you, they're they're paying too much attention to the media. The the, the media is becoming becoming the subject, I'm afraid. I I mean, every word... That, 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 that President Trump's now saying is getting repeated. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, God bless them, but I'm not going to get upset about all that stuff. But see, people in the world, they may even have a laugh on their face, a smile on their face, but deep underneath them, in their heart of hearts, they're fearful. They're scared. How many of you know God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind? And the Prince of Peace came that you can enjoy peace of mind and peace of heart. Jesus said in John chapter 14, John 14, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Now, if somebody gives you something, you got to take it. It's not automatic. He says, my peace I give unto you, my peace I give it to you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We've got three. If you're going to walk in the peace of God, you've got three responsibilities. Number one, you've got to receive it by faith. Say, Lord, I receive the peace that you offer. Number two, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. Number three, I'm not going to let it be afraid. Those are our responsibilities. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number four, not only did Jesus pay the price for our sin. Not only did he pay the price for our sickness and fears, he paid the price for our poverty. Look at me, everybody. Poverty is not a blessing. Poverty, if you'll go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 28, which talks about the blessings and the cursings, and if you'll start reading those verses with the cursings, you'll find that poverty is one of the curses of the law. This morning, I want you to hear me. God's throne is not established in a rubbish heap. There are not flies buzzing around the throne and the angels are not slipping on banana peels. Heaven is such a wonderful place. The Bible says the rose never fades. And they line the streets with this translucent, clear gold. Hallelujah. Poverty is part of the curse of the law, and it's not God's plan for you. So what do you have to do? You've got to resist poverty just like you would resist sickness and disease, just like you would resist sin in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to say, no poverty. No, no, no. I'm not going to allow you into my life. You're not coming into my home. You're not coming into my family. You're not going to dictate to us. I come against you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, somebody of you are thinking, well, well Pastor, do you mean to say that God wants us all to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous? No, I didn't say that. No. In fact, here's the truth. Some of you, some of you could handle great wealth. And it wouldn't become a part of your identity. 
But some of you, if you, if you won the lottery, if, if, you, if you suddenly came into great, great wealth, it would destroy you. Everybody can't handle it. Here's what I do think. I do think God wants to supply every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I do believe the Lord wants you to have all and abound. You say, what does that look like? Well, that means that you, you, you've got enough to, to pay your bills. You've got enough to worship God with your tithes and with your offerings and give to missions. You've got enough to help other people in need. Come on. You've got enough where you're saving for a rainy day. And beyond that, as your faith, so be it unto you. Hallelujah. I believe God will raise some of you up to, to, to finance the end time revival. I believe that some, God will raise some of you up to make lots and lots of money. Not so you can increase, buy houses and cattle and lands and increase who you are, but so you can give to the kingdom of God. It takes a lot of money, folks, to, 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 to evangelize. It takes a lot of money to preach the gospel. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life, death, blessing, and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Folks, the choice is pretty easy. It's yours and it's my choice. You know, I, 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 Kathy and I regularly pray this and we'll say, Lord, today we choose life. We choose life. We choose your blessing, Lord God. We choose your life and your blessing for us, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our sons-in-laws, for our daughters, for our church members, for Evangel Assembly of God. Today, we choose life. The choice is ours. But some people go through life and they don't think you got a choice. Some of you, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't even know who Doris Day was, but... Some of you that are old enough will remember she used to have a television program called Please Don't Eat the Daisies. And the theme music for that television show was, Que sera, sera, what will be, will be, will be, the future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera, que sera, sera, what will be, will be, will be. I'm just going to sit here like a chimpanzee and take what comes. That, that's not what it, the way... Forgive me for that. What I'm telling you is you've got a choice. You can choose life or you can choose death. You've got to make the decision. Folks, I just really believe that as, you know, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. You've got authority in the name of Jesus. And you just need to say, Hey, devil, you come this far, but you can't come any further. Hey, devil, you may have tried to steal, kill, and destroy in my family. You may have tried to kill, steal, and destroy in my children and my grandchildren. But you've come so far, you can't come any further. I rebuke sickness, and I rebuke disease, and I rebuke poverty, and I rebuke lack, and I rebuke depression. I rebuke oppression. I rebuke bondage. I rebuke all that hell's got to offer. Folks, when heaven comes into your life... Sin says, I can't stay here anymore. When heaven invades your life, bondage says, I can't stay here any longer. When heaven invades your life, sickness says, hey, I can't stick around here. Depression says, I got to leave. Despair says, no, 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 this is not working for me anymore. And fear says, I got to hightail it out of here. Why is that? 
because of what Jesus did. He went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Folks, God's not a Democrat and God's not a Republican. I'm telling you, we don't need to be getting getting so upset about this or about that that's going on. Jesus is still on the throne and Jesus is still at work. And Jesus says, I'm going to make everything that happens to you work together for your good. You can't lose for winning if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. And I want to ask you a question. If you died in the next minute, I don't want you to, but if you died in the next minute, would heaven be your home? I'm asking you, if you died in the next minute, would you go to heaven? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, nobody moving, nobody talking right now. If you come to this place today and you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ... You've never said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and change me. I want you to forgive me of my sins. You've never said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I'm not asking you today to join this church. I'm asking you to join a family. I'm asking you to join the family of God. The family of people around the world who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Who value His Word. Who welcome the Holy Spirit into their life. It's important what family you belong to. It's important that you belong to the family of God. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy. He said, my burden is light. If you were to die today, would you make your way to heaven? Or would you go to hell? There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what I did. I called on the name of Jesus and I repented of my sins. And I said, Jesus, would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? Would you live inside me? If you'd say today, Terrell, I need the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I just want to ra- you to raise your hand and leave it up till I see it. Just raise your hand right now. Leave your hand up until I see it. You may say, Terrell, I, I've known the Lord Jesus, but, but something happened. I, I, my relationship's not so good right now. I, something hurt me. I, maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you had a financial reversal. Maybe your best friend did you wrong. Maybe somebody stole from you. Maybe, maybe you had a bankruptcy. Maybe you went through a divorce. You said, Terrell, today, I want to rekindle my relationship with God. Come on, just lift your hand and leave it up until I, until I see it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. you can take your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, Terrell, I, I love the Lord, and, but I don't have the assurance in my heart that if I died today that I would go to heaven. I, I just don't know. I, I'm just not sure. Just raise your hand if you're in that category. You say, Terrell, I'm just not sure. If, if, if I died today, I'm just not sure. I love the Lord and I'm sure that He loves me. I'm just not sure. See, you can know that you know that you know. Yes, sir, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? You can know that you know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord. That He's your Savior. 
Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to join Pastor Zach Barnes. Pastor Zach is coming. He's going to stand right here. I just want you to get up out of your seat and just come, just take the time to walk down here. You see, every person that Jesus ever called, he called publicly. He called publicly. I'm just going to ask you, you know who you were? I know who you were. I'm just asking you to get up right now and just come and pray a prayer. And this whole congregation will love you. This whole congregation will support you. This whole congregation will bless you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give my hand. Come on. Give my hand. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you'd like to be a part of this prayer. Come on, this is the day. You don't know if you're going to have another opportunity. You don't know when you're going to be in a in a service where, you know, there are a lot of churches, pastors don't give altar calls anymore. You don't know when you'll have this opportunity. I, I encourage you to come. Don't say another time because you don't know when you're going to have that time. We're just going to pray this prayer together. Everybody, let's pray it together all over the house. Lord God, Lord God today, today, we trust. The shed blood of Christ as the full payment for all of our sin. Come live in me, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new from the inside out. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. 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 We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.